The Truth News Network. When the fix is in, you know it. What you don't know is when the fix went in. A government built on corruption doesn't form out of thin air. It takes a long time to form, takes a long time to get here. And what you see is only 10% of it. Corruption is built on lies. And to see the depth, you need a lot of truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And to reveal that iceberg is Dan Newman. Just to be honest with you, um... We're here to ferret out with you what the truth is and everything. Hey there, how you doing? You made it to the weekend. You know, I guess technically the weekend doesn't start till about 5 o'clock, the end of the business day on Friday, but why don't we just give ourselves a little bonus? Let's start it right now. Let's say right now we're beginning the weekend <laughs> for, uh, for this particular month, and it's a brand new month. Calendar rolled over to October 1st last night, Halloween month, the beginning of fall, not yet technically, but pretty much October's looked at as being the beginning of fall because of Halloween uh, headed right into the Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah holidays. So I guess maybe what we need to do is kind of regroup. I try to do that every quarter. October, November, December, the last quarter of 2021. Good time to look at what is on your plate. What do you need to address? What do you need to do? What do you need to change about this particular month? I don't know, but it's always good to take a look-see because I got to be honest with you. You can never, never be more careful, too careful. You just can't do it. You have to think smart. Um, Just because you think smart doesn't mean that you're feeling like, hey, I am smart. I know stuff that other people don't. What it means is, folks, you're planning, you're preparing, you're being um, decisive. It gives you the ability to make decisions more easily rather than making them on the fly and then having to worry, did I do something wrong? Did I think about something wrong? Just think about this. You could today be where right in the middle is the perfect storm. That's where the Biden administration, from top to bottom, they find themselves. It's certainly politically expedient for politicians when they pounce on one specific error with their opponent's policies, and they do that to gain position in some upcoming election or voting ballot measure in legislation. They always try to find the bad stuff on the other side. Currently, our U.S. political atmosphere is immersed in a multitude of these kinds of political opportunities, especially for Republicans. Republicans have the Afghanistan aftermath. It worsens every day now that there are numerous Americans still hiding in Afghanistan in fear for their lives. Additionally, the Bidenflation roars ever upward daily. We got new numbers today we'll get to in just a few moments. And the Bidenflation keeps building because of the egregious financial policies of this president. If you add to that the increasing numbers of companies that are either closing altogether or they are being forced to partial operations because of Biden's federal unemployment benefits that incentivize employees to stay at the house, companies can't find workers. 
two of the most massive spending initiatives in U.S. history still today dominate discussions surrounding Congress. Then there are the two items that each alone could destroy our nation. But in union with each other, this president finds himself on a fishing boat trying to find a way back to the harbor to escape the perfect storm. And this perfect storm, folks, is of his own making. Joe Biden. Eight months, just eight months into the Biden administration, the president's border crisis has become far more than a national security, humanitarian, and constitutional crisis. Folks, it represents one of the most substantial public health crises facing the nation as we struggle to recover from the pandemic. It's driven by politics, this perfect storm, and ideological animus. The administration remains committed to a nonsensical, inconsistent, and anti-science open borders agenda that not only encourages record levels of illegal immigration, but also needlessly jeopardizes the lives of every American citizen. Earlier this year, NBC of all outlets, NBC reported the Biden administration was releasing illegal aliens who later tested positive for COVID-19. Go figure. They come across the border. They're illegals. Most of them are poor indigent from Central American countries. They're not going to be in the picture-perfect health condition. The Biden folks just ignore that fact. Then Fox News reported that more than 7,000 COVID-positive illegal aliens had been released into one town alone, McAllen, Texas, and that was from February to August, including more than 1,500 in just one week. And they're doing that caused cities like McAllen and even Laredo to declare a state of emergency. And it still gets worse every day. In short, the administration is knowingly seeding border towns and cities with the individuals who are actively carrying and transmitting the virus, people who have defied our laws and broken into our country while ignoring almost all basic guidance about COVID-19. They travel through COVID hotspots, often jammed into overcrowded stash houses for days or even weeks with no medical attention or adequate PPE, recklessly endangering the health of our citizens, our law enforcement personnel, and other migrants themselves. 32 Customs and Border Protection personnel have died in the line of duty from COVID. Nine of them from the Border Patrol. Since the pandemic began, thousands of Border Patrol personnel have been quarantined, degrading the Border Patrol's ability to operate. In contrast, many others have been placed in intensive care at local hospitals, fighting for their lives, and you and I are paying the tab. But the Biden administration, they haven't let data, public health, countless COVID-related deaths slow down its America last agenda. On the contrary, it continues to openly contradict and undermine the CDC's guidance under Title 42, which clearly states the current surge of illegals migrating through Canada and Mexico into the U.S. 
creates danger of introducing COVID-19 into the United States every single day. During the Trump administration, immigration folks implemented the CDC's order with the purpose and the understanding that it was going to save countless American lives. There were no carve-outs to please some political faction. Border Patrol puts the health and safety of Americans first. President Biden, on the other hand, has refused from his first day in office to apply Title 42 to unaccompanied children infected with COVID, although the overwhelming majority of these unaccompanied children are 15 to 17 years of age and can carry the virus. The result has been more than 100,000 apprehensions of these young children in the first six months of this year, the highest total in our history. Most of them released across the United States, towns and cities, and Homeland Security doesn't even let the Americans know where they're going or how many or who they are. Under the direction of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, a 17-year-old from anywhere in the world who illegally crosses our southwest border will be released and transported to any city in the U.S. where they can find a sponsor, and that's regardless of their COVID status. Yet while we're navigating new COVID variants and rising infections while praying for another lull, the Biden administration continues to play the dangerous political game with American lives. As the Rio Grande Valley area reported a 900% increase, 900% increase in COVID cases, the administration continues. They are still, every day, releasing, on average, 80% of the families illegally entering the U.S. This fiscal year, Mayorkas has directed the release of more than 200,000 family members into local communities, not a single one testing for COVID, forcing these communities to take on that responsibility. McAllen and local non-government organizations were forced to establish temporary shelters to address the massive flood of illegal aliens into their communities, instigated in total by this administration, Joe Biden, uh, Mayorkas, and a bunch of other Democrats that want the border erased forever. And then McAllen's mayor declared the city overwhelmed and overcapacity. The COVID positive rate among the illegal aliens released in McAllen is 15%. That's a conservative estimate. Secretary Mayorkas on Thursday put the number of immigrants with COVID and other diseases at 20%. Yet the release of illegals to towns and cities across the southern border, it continues unabated. It's like they don't give a rip. They've got a political perspective, a goal, an objective, and Katie barred the door because they're going to beat that door down letting illegals go all across the country, unencumbered, while we pay for everything to do with those illegals being here. But the distribution of COVID to the nation received added fuel with the recent flood of those Haitian immigrants at the Biden town, 
That's the uh, piece of land underneath that bridge in Del Rio. And now they're being pushed out across the nation. We saw the thousands of illegal aliens detained living under that bridge in the unsanitary, overcrowded conditions because Border Patrol lacked the capacity to hold them anywhere else. This example is just one of the intense super-spreader events we know are happening across the entire southern border. Other pictures from inside Border Patrol facilities show illegals crammed in a small area like sardines, creating what amounts to an active COVID Petri dish. But remember, the consequences of Biden's border crisis are not limited to border towns or facilities. Illegals are daily being resettled in the neighborhoods across the country at U.S. taxpayer expense. A chilling line from the NBC report, quoting one illegal alien who tested positive when he was released by Border Patrol, demonstrates the national scope of this troubling reality. Here's what he said. Right now, we were tested for COVID, and they separated about eight of us because we were positive. We are waiting right now. She was waiting to catch a bus with a bunch of fellow positive-tested illegals. And that bus was going to Houston. After dismantling the effective policies implemented under the Trump administration, no one can argue that the Trump administration immigration policies, as they pertain to federal immigration laws, were working. The one thing that the Biden folks in total, in mass, don't agree with are all of our immigration laws. And instead of doing it the constitutional way, the way that government and the rule of law says it's supposed to be done, going to the lawmaking entity and entities and change the laws, they don't have to abide by the laws. His boss for eight years... Barack Obama taught him how to ignore federal law and just do what you want to do. So after dismantling the effective policies implemented during Trump's four years, which created the most secure border in our lifetime, by the way, the Biden administration has opened our borders to illegals carrying the most destructive virus in a century and a few hundred pounds of illegal drugs every week. The Biden administration is actively importing COVID cases into the U.S. while they're pushing their new mask and vaccine mandates that are already forcing massive job layoffs, terminations, and volunteers quitting because of vaccine hesitance. This certainly flies in the face of the president's constant calls to follow the science. Follow the science. Since the 2020 campaign, Americans have been told Biden respects science and the scientist. We should listen to the scientist, not to the president. He said that. Biden said that. Listen to the scientist, not to the president. That was during a CNN town hall on September 17th. White House Press uh, Secretary Jen Psaki tweeted, Tell the truth. Follow the science. Work together. And then the Biden folks, including the president himself, those three things, 
tell the truth, follow the science, work together. He does none of those three. He does exactly opposite. He does not tell the truth. He does not follow the science. And even though he says, we need to all get together, he does exactly the opposite. He divides us further than we already were when he took office. Visitors that go to the White House website find a memorandum on restoring trust in government through scientific integrity and evidence-based policymaking. It sounds like the president literally didn't get the memo, (laughs) and the memo's his memo. Ellen Carmichael, who penned a passionate and eloquent takedown of the Biden administration's unscientific travel ban last month for National Review, points out the inconsistency of the policy. Quote, To re-enter the U.S., American citizens and legal residents only need to show an airline rep a current negative COVID-19 test. Apparently, the Biden administration believes an identical test administered to a European yields a false result. But it gets worse. Starting in early November, folks, the U.S. is going to require foreign air passengers entering the country to be fully vaccinated. And here's the problem that Mayorkas nor Biden have probably even thought of, yet alone done something in preparation. Listen to this. The U.S. has yet to approve the mixing of COVID-19 vaccines. There are two or three vaccines that have been approved and used in Europe that we haven't yet approved. So, are they going to count those? Those Europeans that come to the U.S. that have one of those other vaccines, not the good ones. Absurdity. (laughs) It's just reached new heights. The Biden administration's position is that travelers from the U.K. and the European Union, many of whom have been vaccinated or come from nations with reasonable health care infrastructure, can't come here, even if they test negative for COVID. The administration has also kept our borders with Mexico and Canada closed for non-essential cross-border traffic. Can you believe that? They're still technically, legally closed for non-essential cross-border traffic an issue adversely impacting border communities and prompting bipartisan action from officials like Representative Henry Cuellar, who's a Democrat from Texas. The outrage comes from inconsistent, seemingly illogical application of restrictions against the backdrop of these open border policies. A fully vaccinated Mexican citizen coming to a legal port of entry is forbidden to enter. Did you know that? Today, if you're legal, if you're a Mexican citizen and you go to a port of entry, you can't get in. But an illegal alien family with COVID is rapidly released into the U.S. and underwritten financially. The administration will fly illegal aliens all across the country on commercial airlines, even if their health status is unknown. According to the Reuters COVID-19 tracker, COVID cases are spiking across today, Central and South America, the region driving the mass increase in illegal immigration. In Honduras, example, 
Infections are 99% of peak rate, with not even 10% of Hondurans vaccinated. Cases in Guatemala, 72% of the peak rate, with even fewer individuals vaxxed than in Honduras, only 7%. Only about 3% of Nicaragua's population has been vaccinated. Meanwhile, cases across the ocean in the UK are falling. More than 64% of the population is vaccinated. Cases are also falling in countries such as the Netherlands, Portugal, and the Czech Republic. Even in European nations where cases are rising, either the rate is low, Germany, for instance, 9% of peak rate, Poland less than 1%, or at least half the population is vaccinated. In this past week, Sweden and Norway joined forces to remove government-mandated COVID restrictions. All of them, every one of them. You don't even have to wear a mask over there. The Biden administration, they have sparked an unprecedented crisis on our southern border. It's undone the effective policies of the previous administration that created the most secure border in our history. Not only do the massive numbers of illegals being apprehended at the border every month overwhelm Border Patrol, but many are subsequently released into the interior because Border Patrol doesn't have the capacity to detain, process, and deport them. While Biden obviously intends to ratchet up COVID restrictions even further on all of us and all of our businesses, it's apparent he plans to continue allowing the mass distribution of illegal immigrants to towns and cities all across America with zero consideration or communication with local and state and government officials before transporting these illegals to their locations. And this is happening without COVID testing of any illegals before transporting them away from the border. Folks, Americans are sick of all this, but especially ill because of the health care hypocrisy in the Biden administration that puts every American's life in danger, every one of us. Hundreds of thousands of illegals have been spread across the nation since January of this year. That's happened with no knowledge of the health status of these immigrants and with no notice to on-site authorities before they're released. Many Americans are convinced Biden prefers citizens of the world over citizens of the United States. I was taught very young. Hear what we say, but listen to what we do. His actions certainly confirm that. And authorities from Central America, by the way, have informed U.S. Border Patrol that a convoy of 85,000 immigrants, that convoy is headed to our southern border in one big clump. By the way, when they get here, not if they get here, but when they get here, their arrival in the aftermath is going to be the eye of Joe Biden's perfect storm. The eye will last about two minutes because the eye is very calm in a hurricane. And then the winds come back 
with devastating power. You better get ready, folks. You better get ready because it's coming. It's going to get worse. I know everybody thinks and hopes it can't get any worse than it is today, but it can and it will. We're a long way away from seeing that ray of sunlight at the end of the tunnel that the Biden administration has put us in. Give you an example. Numbers are out this morning. The personal consumption price index for August increased 4.3% from one year ago. That number reflects increases in the prices that we pay and other consumers for both goods and services. That's according to the Commerce Department. Released these numbers just a few minutes ago. 4.3% in one month. Energy prices up 25% from the depressed levels of a year ago. Food prices 3%. Core PCE prices, excluding food and energy, almost 4% compared with a year ago. That's also the fastest pace since 1991. So compared with the month earlier, the price index rose four-tenths of a percentage point. Analysts had forecast a three-tenths gain, which would have represented a one-tenth of a point slowdown from the July number. Core prices rose three-tenths of a point from a month ago, matching the previous month's gain and above the consensus forecast that was supposed to be two-tenths. Inflation? Oh my gosh. Inflation picked up for both goods and services. The index for goods rose 5.5% compared with a year ago. That's up from 5.3% in July. Durable goods prices jumped 7%, up from 6.9% in the prior month. Non-durables, 4.5%, up from 4.4%. Services prices rose almost 4%, up from 3.5% in July. That's the fastest rate of inflation in services since 2006. Almost 16 years ago, folks. And the experts are now just trying to cut through the veil of untruthfulness being portrayed on all things economical in the United States by Joe Biden and his administration. They're poopying all of this. Oh, this inflation thing. It's cyclical. It's just going to go up a little bit and it'll go back down. The experts are saying what we saw with 20% prime lending rate during Jimmy Carter's four years from 76 to 80, that we are headed for a much worse inflated economy. These are all facts, folks. None of this is conjecture. We don't throw anything out that hasn't been documented. And the people that are putting these numbers out are not people that are part of any political party. They're just experts at coming up with consumer price information and statistics. And they get those statistics, by the way, from the Biden administration. What does that mean, Dan? It means possibly, and I would lean this way if I was um, not an objective person, I would lean this way and say it's probably worse than the numbers being released by the economist in the Biden administration because they can't afford to look bad. Wait a minute. Let me rephrase that. 
they can't afford to appear worse than the facts already show they are in their results for us. So what's going on today? What else is happening? This is something, I don't want to get you in the grubs this Friday morning because as I said, we're starting the weekend right now. So what else is coming up this morning? Nancy Pelosi on the hot seat. Those two massive spending bills that she promised she would shove down Americans' throats in September. Of course, she ran out of September now, and she's struggling to even get anything economically to get through this Congress. And people within her own party are already leading the charge in a couple of ways to stop that train coming down the economic track headed towards destruction, sure and certain destruction. She's going to try again today. She couldn't get her House members in line to take a vote even on those two big bills. One's a paltry $1.2 trillion. They call it infrastructure. It's a little piece of infrastructure, but it's a big piece of fat and pork and special interest funding. But the $3.5 trillion one, folks, Aha, the bill is out in writing. We've got news about that. We're going to get into all of that in just a few minutes. Sit tight. Going to be a busy Friday morning here at TNN Live. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda, KBB.com's 2020 best value brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance event today. For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand image source from Kelly Bubut. Visit KBB.com for more information. A divorce lawyer should be more than just a lawyer. Divorce is like no other experience, especially for guys. At Cordell & Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them. Someone they can trust. Someone who understands where they are and how to get them out. We are the attorneys of Cordell & Cordell. We are advisors and advocates for men before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell & Cordell. A partner men can count on. To schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at CordellCordell.com. Wendy's Famous 4 for 4 is heating up with a new Spicy Crispy Chicken Sandwich. The Queen of Spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just 4 bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior fry, and value drink. Price participation may vary. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are. TNN, the Truth News Network. 
So another number just popped out, our weekly jobless claims. And um, the number is bigger than expected, 27,000 bigger than the estimated 335,000 job claims. The true number is 362,000. Continuing claims, it even went up to 2.84 million. The economy grew at an annualized pace of 6.7% in the third quarter, slightly above estimates. And I got to say, in the context of all the stuff we're talking about, it growing at all is a miracle. Seriously, folks, very few people expected us to increase in any way regarding our economy because of those horrible unemployment policies that were implemented during um, the COVID bills. How many did we pass? Two, three? I don't know. But when they continued to keep that unemployment benefit coming from the federal government, that's what put thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans at home, not going back to work. I can't tell you how many businesses I walk in. Now, we live in a basically conservative part of the South, Northwest Louisiana, where actually uh, the city limits of Shreveport is 15 miles from the Texas border. So we're very, very close. And overall, we're conservative up here. But I can't tell you how many places you go. They've got signs on the door. They all do. Jobs are open here. We're looking for employees. But worse than that, and that's not a bad thing, we always want there to be opportunity for American citizens that want to work. That's a good thing. But the reason for it is not a good thing. They can't find people that want to work. Even some of the people that have been on the government dole for months and months and months, staying at home, doing whatever you do when you're not working and getting paid still, all of a sudden, nobody wants to come back. And so these businesses, most of them small businesses, entrepreneurial kind of businesses, the big businesses are even worse, but the ones that impact the most people that I see, because I don't have access to any of the big-time day-to-day operating news in big companies, or the mom and pops, you know, the stores, the small stores, not the big chains. The big chain stores seem to be doing okay. Remember, those are the ones that got the anointing during the pandemic they never closed. I'm talking about grocery stores, um, places like Walmart, Home Depot. They don't close, so they're not impacted like these small mom and pops. So what happens if you can't get workers, you can't provide your goods and services to the public, which means you don't have any gross revenue coming in. And while that's going on, Democrats are up shouting, pay people more money to get them to come to work for you. Well, people don't have more money. Business owners don't have more money. In fact, the money they have is worth less than it was when Biden took office because of inflation, because of the cost of goods, everything about goods. We have a story we'll try to get to in our second hour that the price of shipment on everything in the United States that comes from China, it's going up. It's through the roof right now but it's even going up much, much higher. So what has to happen? Businesses have to determine what their expenses are to operate. And those expenses are rolled into a bucket, and it includes rent on the building or mortgage payment on the building or whatever, insurance, payroll, 
and the cost for the goods that they bring in to sell to the general public. So when they set their prices, when they set their objectives, when they started computing how their economic model was going to be structured, the big number is the cost of goods. When the cost of goods go up, what do these businesses have as choices of what to do? There's only two. One is to either eat the additional cost of the transportation of all these all these things, these materials, these items, even cars, you name it. Just about everything has a version that comes from China. The cost goes up just exponentially. So most of these businesses don't have the capacity to eat these rising costs themselves. They have to raise the cost to the consumer. And I'm talking about top to bottom. I'm talking about grocery stores. I'm talking about restaurants. I'm talking about car dealerships, parts and service dealers. Everything goes up. And then you got Biden up there screaming, minimum wage, $15. Got to be $15 across the nation. There have been reports, and we've seen signs here. Businesses in the thousands have raised their minimum wage to whatever it was to $15 an hour, and they still can't get employees. All of this is feeding into the perfect storm that we talked about in our opening. And honestly, folks, I don't know who has Biden's ear. I don't know who, I don't even know if Jill has his ear. The few people I know that are in his administration, when I say I know them, I know how they operate and who they are. The few that I know are decent thinkers that are understanding economic policies and what they do out in the marketplace. They're either not getting through to Joe Biden, he's purposely not taking their advice That's a political thing that we have no say-so in, and we can't know it for certain. What we only know for certain is what we're seeing where the rubber hits the road. It's economic devastation, and it's headed worse. It's headed worse. I don't care what anybody says. I'm not a doom and gloomer. Anybody that knows me knows I'm extremely optimistic in everything in my life. I'm always looking for a better thing, an improvement, a new idea a new way of doing things. That's what my personality is. But at the same time, folks, we have to be realistic. We have to do the best that we can do with what we have with our eye on what we need to do to prepare for what's coming next. What's coming next? I can't see anything good coming from what is laid out in front of us. So we just better prepare for it. That's why I'm saying that. We've got to prepare for it. And economically, under this administration, it ain't good. So, this huge budget reconciliation bill that is now before the House, not formally because Pelosi says she's not going to bring it to the floor for a vote until she knows what the outcome is going to be and that it will pass. Yesterday, yesterday, members of Congress finally got a draft of the bill. And when they looked at it, (laughs) it was extremely devastating. So much so that a couple of members of the House got up before the cameras 
and showed the bill and then gave us some information about it and what it all boils down to. You don't want to miss this. Listen up. Well, the the Democrats are on the march to big government socialism. Uh, This is blowout spending, which they are recommending and trying to pass this week. Every Republican is committed to defeating this bill because we know how much damage it will do to our economy and our nation. This spending is on a scale not seen before in our country. When you talk about $3.5 trillion, and there are estimates that it's way above that, you do the math, that's over $10,000 for every man, woman, and child in America. That's a really heavy lift. Now let's see how heavy of a lift it is. $3.5 trillion dollars This is their bill, 2,500 pages. If you take a look at $3.5 trillion price tag, and you do the math, that's $1,400,000,000 for every page of this bill. And they want to pass it this week. How many Democrats do you think have read this? Think Nancy Pelosi's read it? Think Chuck Schumer's read it? Do you think Joe Biden, who is desperately begging Democrats to pass it, do you think he's read it? Do you think he knows what's in it? And now President Biden has stooped so low in his desperation that he said that the cost of this bill would be nothing. He tweeted it would be zero. Mr. President, the American people are a lot smarter than you may believe because the American people are smart enough to not believe you when you say the cost of this bill will be zero. Nancy Pelosi has even picked that up as a talking point, saying it's not going to cost anything. We're going to make the filthy rich pay for all of it. Folks, you could confiscate not 100% of the profits every year of the wealthy. You could grab all of their assets, 100%, and fire sell them and not get close to the $3.5 trillion this bill is told to cost when in reality they always cost much more. These people are, they're desperate, they're lying. They're, and, and there are thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of Americans that are listening to them and swallowing that line, hook, line, and sinker, with no facts to disprove or prove that what they are promising is truthful. One billion, four hundred million dollars of spending per page in that 2,500-page budget reconciliation bill that the House, Nancy hopes, is going to have it today to vote on. If you haven't already reached out to your member of the House of Representatives, I suggest you give them a call today, right now. You can go on um, us.gov 
and get a list of every phone number, the office phone number for every member of Congress, give them a call and tell them, hey, don't vote for this if it comes up. We can't afford it. My kids, my grandchildren, my great, 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 great grandchildren, those are the ones that would likely end up with the final bill. I don't want to push that down, the responsibility for that on them. Don't say yes for this bill. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, nobody knows what he's going to do today. He has nothing on the schedule. Nobody knows if he's going back to Delaware for the weekend, if he's staying in the White House, or if he may go back to the beach where he went last week. But what he's done, he sent out his minions to Capitol Hill. Late yesterday, Susan Rice, Susan Rice, former National Security Advisor, former UN representative, UN, uh, she was the ambassador of the United Nations, she went to Capitol Hill to lobby for both of these bills for the president. Now, you may remember she was in the Obama administration, National Security Advisor. She is one of the people that have remained a close confidant of Barack Obama and uh, has been involved with him behind the scenes in every possible way during the Biden administration. She joined counselor to the president, Stephen Reschetti, White House Legislative Affairs Director Louisa Terrell, and National Economic Council Director Brian Deese for meetings with guess who? Senator Kirsten Sinema, who's a Democrat from Arizona, and Joe Manchin from West Virginia. Those are the two Democrats that have come out and absolutely guaranteed we ain't voting for this monumental crazy bill. Yesterday, folks, Manchin went public speaking to the media outside the Capitol, and he voiced his opposition to this what he's calling a domestic entitlement bill that cost over $1.5 trillion. This is not the big banana. This is the quote-unquote infrastructure bill. And as he talked out, he just hacked off every progressive who all want to see dramatic tax hikes to pay for the $3.5 trillion in spending for things like free universal pre-K, two years of free college, subsidized child and elder care, paid family leave, and more food stamp benefits. That's just a drop in the bucket. Cinema, the senator from Arizona, has also signaled opposition to Biden's big tax hike and his monstrous spending bill prompting the White House to try and find some kind of measure that they're going to support. He doesn't have a win. And folks, if he doesn't have a win, his administration, his presidency is toast. Rice and the White House team left the meetings late last night with no deal. White House Press Secretary Saki, she got up and touted success. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> even as Congress failed to even hold the scheduled vote. A great deal of progress has been made this week, she said, and we're closer to an agreement than ever. But we're not there yet, and so we'll need some additional time to finish the work starting tomorrow morning, first thing, this morning, like right now. So there is a Congressional Progressive Caucus. Members, 96 members of the House, led by Representative Jayapal, a Democrat of Washington. They have successfully stalled Biden's infrastructure deal, 
to demand movement on their agenda. House leftists insist they're not going to vote to pass the little bill, the infrastructure bill, the $1.5 trillion infrastructure bill, until they get the big banana, the $3.5 trillion social entitlement spending bill as well. It's a bundle. It's an all or nothing, they say. And the big one, folks, it was drafted almost entirely by Bernie Sanders, who is an avowed, what he calls, Democrat socialist. There's no such thing. A socialist is a socialist. The White House is now working, we are told, directly with Cinema and Mansion to find some kind of massive domestic tax and spending package they're going to support that will satisfy the leftists in the House. That doesn't exist. All these lefties, these hard ones out there, AOC, the squad, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, they want it all or they say we're going to blow it up. Manchin drew a line yesterday. I don't fault anyone who believes that they're much more progressive and much more liberal. God bless them, he said. He had already made the case he had never been a liberal. He doesn't hide the fact that he is a moderate. I guess for them to get theirs, they need to elect more liberals. Boy, that makes sense, doesn't it? So, they tried late yesterday, Nancy did, $3.5 trillion spending bill. As you just heard, the deal is the far left says, we're not going to vote for the little bill unless we vote on the $3.5 trillion bill and pass it at the same time. So Pelosi, after hours of closed-door talks, she and Steny Hoyer, her compadre, they got out and they made an announcement. The House will remain in recess subject to the call of the chair during this same legislative day of September 30th and will reconvene no earlier than 9.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. That went out about 11 o'clock last night. Pelosi, in a separate statement, said Thursday had been a day of progress in fulfilling the president's vision to build back better. The reconciliation bill had been scheduled for a vote yesterday. She had promised it. She promised it was going to be voted on the day before and the day before that. Every day, she puts a pause on it because she can't get enough people to pass it to sign on to it. She said discussions continue with the House, the Senate, the White House to reach a bicameral framework agreement. Boy, that's a big term, bicameral, B-I-C-A-M-E-R-A-L framework agreement to build back better through a reconciliation bill. So those two moderates yesterday, Cinema and Manchin, they blew up the plan. Manchin said, I don't see a deal being done tonight. This was yesterday when he was talking to the media. He indicated for the first time that $1.5 trillion is the farthest he's going to go on the reconciliation bill, the one that they say is $3.5 trillion, but it's really $5 trillion or more. He was telling reporters he thought that number was the most the government can do without jeopardizing our economy. He said he's willing to work with leadership to negotiate priorities at a $1.5 trillion price point, adding that if Democrats wanted to do more, they can run on the rest of it later. There's many ways to get where they want to, just not by doing everything at one time. Now, AOC came out after Manchin met with the media and said these kind of things. 
And she just went nuts on Manchin. She called him everything under the book. How could he turncoat? How could he do this at the last minute? He knows what was going on. Well, what AOC did not know, and it didn't come out until late yesterday, Manchin, in August, two months ago, listen to what he did. He went to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, and he told Schumer then, the most I can get signed off on, on infrastructure, on reconciliation, all of it, the most I can get to, top line, one and a half trillion dollars. Now, that wasn't just in the conversation. Listen to what he did. Manchin put it in writing. He gave his written, signed, guarantee, commitment to the majority leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer. And Schumer signed it too in August. So all of these far left, the people that call themselves progressives, and I call them anything but a progressive because what they want to do is not progressive in any way. They're piling on Manchin because they're saying he dropped this bomb on the far left at the last minute. Well, they obviously haven't gone and gotten one-on-one with Joe Manchin. I'm sure he's not included in any of their tea meetings. (laughs) He's too old. He's too moderate. He's too conservative. So they just sit over there and they do what I call drive-by shooting. They just lob a grenade every once in a while into the middle of the fray to make the fray even worse than it really is. Uh, this, this is just crazy. And listen to what AOC snuck into the biggie, the $3.5 trillion bill. In a lengthy Twitter thread, Grabian Media founder Tom Elliott outlined several provisions in the spending bill. That includes $15 million to resource centers for people who are underserved due to their sexual orientation or gender identity. $15 million. And another provision, $20 billion is directed to rent support for victims of stalking and dating violence. $20 billion. There's another $50 million that's meant to, quote, reduce human-wildlife conflicts on national forest system land. Reduce human-wildlife conflicts. $50 million. They're going to go, they're going to hire people to go in there and shrink the foxes and the squirrels and the coyotes and help them feel better about the humans. (laughs) OMG. That's short for, oh my goodness, or wait a minute. It can be short for, oh my God. It could be short for, oh my, George. (laughs) That's as crazy as this stuff they come up with. The so-called infrastructure bill has other stuff in it from the progressive wish list that includes free school lunches year-round for runaway and migrant children, doubling most federal cigarette taxes, two and a quarter billion for the AOC-endorsed Civilian Climate Corps. The word tax is used 1,829 times in the bill. The word taxes 
is used 69 times. The word taxation is used seven times. Supposedly, all of these new taxes add up to $3.5 trillion. Democrats still insist the bill which is being debated in the Senate won't cost the American taxpayers a dime because it's going to be paid for by ending tax loopholes for the rich. A cigarette tax would not merely tax higher-income Americans. The bill's price tag is $0 because it's going to be paid for by ending failed special tax giveaways for the richest taxpayers and big corporations, adding nothing to the debt. That's according to White House Deputy Press Secretary Andrew Bates. We're going to let you hear from Nancy Pelosi in just a couple of minutes. California Democrats said, it's not about a dollar amount. This is Pelosi. The dollar amount, as the president said, is zero. This bill will be paid for. So the GOP, they have ripped consistently 24-7 the Build Back Better $3.5 trillion reconciliation package. They're calling it a massive social policy bill that ultimately provides benefits to wealthy liberal elites at the expense of working class families. Moderate Democrats like Kristen Sinema, Joe Manchin, Stephanie Murphy, a Democrat from Florida, have also raised concerns about the reconciliation package. A $1 trillion infrastructure bill that Pelosi wanted to vote on this week in the House is in jeopardy as all of this intra-party clashes continue over that separate $3.5 trillion package. This is just hilarious. Let me, let, let, let me just tell you one of the tax things that's in this thing and give you the skinny on it. Janet Yellen, Janet Yellen yesterday was talking and was asked about the tax stuff that's in the bill, about one specifically regarding a new tax on all capital gains. Now, capital gains, if you don't know what they are, if you buy something like uh, a piece of property, um, a big chunk of stock, you pay a flat price for it, whatever that number is. Over a period of time, you you buy these, you make these purchases believing that they're going to increase in value and that you're going to make money at the end of the day. Maybe it's an income-producing entity of some sort and you make money while you own it. It becomes more valuable. Many of these people put these entities, these things, these capital um, items, property, businesses, whatever, they put them in some type of entity that they transfer to their heirs when they die. Now, the way the law works now, there's called a step-up tax on capital gains, the value of these things. I'll give you an example. We owned a company for 28 years. We determined 15 years ago that we wanted to put all of our assets in a family trust, and so we hired a big law firm from back east to come in and do an IRS evaluation of that day's value of the company. Then we transferred ownership of the company to this family trust. What that meant was an IRS-approved attorney for valuations had determined the value of the company. That would be the basis that it was in that family trust as a 
capital enterprise worth X number of dollars. That way, we, when we died, and this company, this asset would be transferred to our kids, they would be taxed only on the stepped-up value of the asset. In other words, how much in value it climbed from the valuation that particular day. Just pay a tax on that. But you wouldn't pay the tax until we went away. And then there's an estate tax thing where a certain percentage of an estate is protected and the heirs don't have to pay taxes. You know all that. It's been around for a long time. Elizabeth Warren's trying to get rid of all of that. Janet Yellen said what she wants and what is included in this particular bill is that everybody that has any capital, anything considered a capital, it could be and is your home if you own your home. Every year, the IRS is going to tax the increased values of these capital entities, and you've got to pay taxes on the increase of the value. But in most cases, unless you're filthy rich, you can't go to the bank. I mean, inflation through the years, the first home that we bought, we paid $18,000 for, and four years later, we sold it for $28,000. We made $10,000. When we sold it, we had that profit that we could pay taxes on, whatever portion of it was taxes. But what if you don't sell it? What if you haven't sold it? What if you want to continue to live in it, but you don't have the cash to pay for that increase in value tax amount that Janet Yellen has made sure is in this particular bill? So what do you do? A lot of people will go bankrupt if this thing flies. Just thought I would drop that in on there. I want you to hear Nancy Pelosi. I don't know if you knew this, but every every Thursday she does a uh, an intervention. <laughs> That's what it seems to be with the media. She holds a press conference. And if you haven't watched one, especially when there's a lot of stuff going on, it is a hoot to watch and listen to her. And I want to give you just a little tidbit. Yesterday's, as you can imagine, was pretty contentious and a lot of people were asking some crazy questions. So we put together a little potpourri that came directly from this press briefing where she talked about the infrastructure bill, she talked about the reconciliation bill, and she tried to set all of these sycophants out in the press, set them straight on the facts. Here's Nancy. I think you're undervaluing his baseball prowess and history. Which That's not uh, Nancy. That's Jen Psaki. We'll let you hear her later. We want you to hear Aunt Nancy. Even some that maybe you inadvertently make that are not quite on point. You would think I'm going to talk to you about my conversations with Joe Manchin in here. We're friends. We're Italian-Americans. We, you know, we, we get along. Catholic. We have shared values. Okay, uh, uh, okay, what do you got? <laughs> Don't take blue for to any mistake for the Dodgers. How do you, how, what do you say to the left of your caucus and the moderate centrists in your caucus to get them together and both feel that things haven't gone the way they want? Okay, one more. No. No, 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 but that's what you said. If you think you, 
you, you shouldn't do these things because you have a slim majority. No. no. With, of course, imbued with vaccinations, 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 vaccinations in people's arms, people back to work, children back to school, money in people's pockets, honoring our heroes. Our, um, transportation, police and fire, our teachers, our teachers, our teachers. I don't know if we'll have bipartisan support in the House. They say they, there may be a few. I understand there's some. Yeah. Oh, you. <laughs> I didn't recognize you without your mask. People don't know this is a challenging job, even one child or two. I didn't even wash my face some days. In fact, I liked it that way. Um, migrations occur because of drought and famine and, and natural disasters. I mean, it's, it's so much. She's just so transparent. I mean, she's amazing. I'm sure after listening to her, you know everything going on in the Democrat Party, especially regarding what's happening right now. I mean, that was just a bunch of parts of what happens there. I got to be honest with you. The way she talks, the way she handles things now, every day it seems more and more like she and Joe Biden are going to the same doctor, you know, the one to help them through their cognitive disabilities that they're both experiencing. Wow. What's up next? Hey, folks, the vaccine mandates. We told you to be prepared. That's the goal is mandatory vaccines across the spectrum of everybody in the nation. But there are a bunch of Americans that are saying those have already been affected by Joe Biden's vaccine mandate from these big companies for which these people work. They're being tested and they're being tested in courts. Several of those, one or two may surprise you. That's up next. We still got to get hour to go on Friday's chapter of TNN Live. Don't go away. Back in a minute. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. And now, Mr. Robert Goulet reads from The Writings of Bart, the collected after-school blackboard writings of young Bart Simpson. Mr. Goulet. I will not trade pants with others. I will not do that thing with my tongue. I will not Xerox my butt. A burp is not an answer. I will not pledge allegiance to Bart. I will not eat things for money. I will not bring sheep to class. I will not instigate revolution. My name is not Dr. Death. To experience all of Bart's blackboard writings, watch every classic episode of The Simpsons. I will not call the principal Spudhead. The Simpsons, now five times a week. How to improve your dining room by the Home Depot. New wood floors, new paint on the walls. Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table? Matching chairs? Bar stools? How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything for your home. Everything from homedepot.com. How doers get more done. U.S. only valid through September 7th. Limitations apply.
My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. How long has it been since you heard that song? Some of you don't even remember it. Hot Rod Lincoln. I guess that was back from the mid-60s, maybe? I don't know. It was before I even began to pay attention to music. Late, Mid to late 60s is when I awakened and realized, man, I like this music. And we got into it. We had some really good stuff in the late 60s, the whole decade of the 70s and even into the 80s. That was back when you could still understand the words the singers were saying. Anyway, back to business as usual. Uh, Looking ahead of the weekend, don't forget, tomorrow we have our Saturday bullet points. Those are the points of um, the big news items of the week. What we do is we make sure that you don't miss any of the big stories in your busy lives. Maybe you're not able to join us here live at TNN Live. So we want you to be able to just on Saturday morning, grab a cup of coffee, go out and sit on the porch before you start watching football games and turn your uh, your computer on and go to truthnewsnet.org. Our Saturday bullet points, the way they work is we've got the big stories, usually a dozen or more. We, uh, we throw you a couple of sentences of descriptive of each of the contents of these uh, news items. And for those that you may not have heard about, maybe you want some more details, you click on a link at the end of that few sentences and it'll take you to a full story. Of course, if you've already seen or heard all the details about what we put there, just skip to the next bullet point. It's just a quick and easy way to catch up on all the big stories of the week that you may not have uh, seen or heard firsthand. A group of teachers, folks, yesterday filed an emergency request with the Supreme Court asking the court to block New York City's school COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Teachers, folks. Lawyers for the plaintiffs, a group of teachers, said in a 99-page petition that the mandate, quote, threatens the education of thousands of children in the largest public school system in the country and violates the substantive due process and also the equal protection rights afforded to all public school employees. The mandate forces teachers and other school workers to get a vaccine, a COVID vaccine, to remain employed unless they're approved for a religious or a medical exemption. A federal judge last week granted a temporary injunction against it, but a federal appeals panel on Monday decided to let the mandate take effect. The second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals panel did not explain their ruling to let it take effect. Thousands of teachers will lose their jobs when the order imposes punishment today, this afternoon, at 5 p.m., even though municipal employees who don't work for schools can opt out of a separate mandate by submitting to weekly testing. Lawyers for the teachers wrote to Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor, who was an Obama nominee. That amounts to discrimination against public school workers, they argued, appealing for intervention from the Supreme Court. Applicants will suffer irreparable harm if their request for injunctive relief is denied. And how this happens, these emergency requests, they can be filed at the Supreme Court by lawyers who think lower courts have ruled wrongly and who believe irreparable harm will result if a stay is not granted. The requests are sent to a single judge who has the power to deny them or to agree 
which would temporarily block the mandate and move the matter to the full court for final consideration. Danielle Filson, a spokeswoman for New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, who announced the vaccine mandate in the first place, said on social media that the teacher plaintiffs have no valid claims. New York City's Department of Education has the authority to implement a mandate that is firmly grounded in science and the expertise of public health officials from across the nation, she said. So it is said. So it is written. So let it be done, right? (laughs) That's number one. There's another group that are in the same boat. Two U.S. service members have filed a lawsuit against Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin to bring to an end his requirement that all troops must receive a COVID-19 vaccine. As part of that, they have called for exemptions based on that thing that Fauci touted in the early going of COVID-19 and our pandemic. We've got to get to natural immunity. The way we get there is herd immunity. More people get it, their bodies develop antibodies to fight it. Then they, after they've beaten it, their bodies will, when in contact with other folks, will pass along that natural immunity and we can beat this thing that way. Now, that ain't good enough. Army Staff Sergeant Dan Robert, who's an infantryman at Fort Bragg's, and Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Holly Mulville, an air traffic controller at Marine Corps Air Station New River, North Carolina, jointly filed a lawsuit in the District Court of Colorado on August 17th. The filing names Austin, the Secretary of Defense, as a defendant alongside Secretary of Health and Human Services Javier Becerra and Janet Woodcock, acting commissioner of the FDA. Both the service members are filing the lawsuit on behalf of themselves and other active duty service members, including those that have survived COVID-19 who have been mandated to have a vaccination. As per the lawsuit, Robert and Mulville claimed that Austin had publicly notified them through a memo that they are to be immediately vaccinated and that the Department of Defense are already vaccinating military members in open violation of their legal obligations and the rights of service members under federal law and the Constitution. Both of them based their argument on the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine's previous emergency use authorization standing, noting that federal statutes prohibit the use of any unlicensed vaccine, whatever, whatsoever, on service members without their informed consent. The plaintiffs are seeking declaratory and injunctive relief because the DOD is using an emergency use authorization COVID-19 vaccine. Pfizer-BioNTech received full FDA approval August 23rd, which is not true. Pfizer's BioNTech vaccine did not get full FDA approval and is still classified in the EUA, the emergency use authorization only. A second Pfizer drug called Comarty, Comarty, something like that, Co-something. That one did receive full FDA approval, but it's not even available. It's not even on the marketplace yet. Pfizer executives colluded basically with the FDA and the authorization that was put out publicly, we shared it here on TNN Live with you from the FDA, explained the difference 
Pfizer's BioNTech vaccine remains in emergency use authorization only. That's just more insanity, more hiding of facts, the more ignoring science that they tell us again and again we've got to follow. They tell us that what they're looking for, that herd immunity and natural immunity, that was the only way we would live. When we get there, when some individual gets there because they have COVID, they get through it and they are found to have the antibodies, no longer is that good enough. Why do they want everybody to be vaccinated? Why do they want that? 80% of people in Israel that are getting COVID-19 and are hospitalized, I mean the serious versions of COVID-19 infections, 80% of them are happening among vaccinated Israeli people. Why does Kamala Harris, the vice president, why does she so demonstrably say everybody's got to get a vaccine? Unvaccinated people, they're a danger to the vaccinated people. How is that possible if the vaccine does what they tell us the vaccine is going to do? Keep us from getting COVID-19. If they're vaccinated, they have nothing to worry about, right? Oh, well. We started a little soundbite a few moments ago from Jen Psaki. Let me tell you what she was talking about. Day before yesterday, night before last, Biden went to that congressional baseball game, and uh, he made an appearance there. And when he was announced to be there, he got some applause, but he got a whole bunch of booing. And Jen Psaki was asked about it in yesterday's press briefing. I think you're undervaluing his baseball prowess and history, which he was honored for last night. Um, No, look, I think what the president, and I saw him this morning, he was reflecting on how it was, and I think this is a tradition, the congressional baseball game. You know, it's something that has been around for some time where Democrats and Republicans uh, go participate in America's one of America's favorite pastimes. And you saw, I think you all saw in photos, but for people who didn't see, he visited with some Republicans uh, down uh, in their area, dugout, I don't even know what it's called, okay? Dugout, help me out here, thank you. Um, He visited with some, my husband's gonna be really mad about that. Um, He visited with some Republicans. Um, You know, he he wasn't, it wasn't meant to be a negotiation. It was a discussion about, uh, you know, how things are going and work we're all committed to and uh, just saying hello to them and sometimes uh, you know that's important and powerful too at a time where there's been so much division where there's a view from many in the public as per the question earlier that people can't work together can't get things done and this was an opportunity to have a moment to uh, visit with to see people you've known before you've known a long time to meet new people and to move beyond partisanship uh, to to celebrate one of America's favorite pastimes response to you about getting booed last night any reaction to that response to you about getting booed last night any reaction to that He's been in public life long enough to know there's going to be some yays and jeers in most big public places. Go ahead. He's been in public life long enough to know that he's going to get some jeers 
in public. I don't know that I've seen any other president, uh, maybe, maybe Trump, but I don't remember anybody else getting that kind of raucous booing when they go to a public event. I'll tell you the one that blows my mind, that really, it shocked me when former President Donald Trump and his wife Melania, when they walked out of the tunnel at the Superdome for the national championship football game a couple of years ago. Now, South Louisiana, folks, you got to understand, we have a Democrat governor in the state, and the two big cities that are so close together in the state, Baton Rouge and New Orleans in the extreme southeastern corner of the state, that part of the state is very, very Democrat. Very Democrat. And I don't know how much you know about Cajun people, but Cajun people are very Catholic, very religious in most cases, and uh, they enjoy, Catholic people and southeast Louisianians enjoy really good times. They enjoy great food, great partying, great get-togethers, big families, very close families. Those people down there, in large part, really loved Donald Trump, and especially with Melania. I'll never forget, the Superdome, of course, was sold out, 80,000 people. It was packed. Alabama was playing. And, of course, in Louisiana, people hate the University of Alabama, especially um, Alabama football. A lot of reasons for that. That's a story for another day. But when they walked out of the tunnel onto the field, nobody was expecting that to happen. The place erupted. And for 10 minutes, the applause, the screaming and hollering, I'd never seen anything like it before. It made the hair on the back of my neck. And I don't have any hair on the back of my neck. <laughs> I'm bald. But it made, it made me have chill bumps. I was just blown away by it. I know that that part of the state is very Democrat, is very red. And so I expected when I saw them walk out, I expected there to be a bunch of booing. Everybody immediately leapt to their feet and for 10 minutes screamed and hollered and applauded while the president and first lady stood there waving to the crowd. It's just different, folks. It's just different. Americans love this country. Americans love all of the patriotic things. True Americans love this, the patriotic things that go along with it. With the exception of the people that have been brainwashed to think that this country is evil. And they don't want our younger generations to know that there was definitely, and nobody tries to hide it, there was an amazing amount of evil 100 years ago, 200 years ago, that was slavery. There was horrible discrimination, racism rampant. And it's never all been put away, but we are so far away from where it was in the 60s, the 70s. You know, back then when Joe Biden was in the Senate and he railed against integration, saying he didn't want his kids at school in that jungle, talking about integrated with black kids. Things have changed dramatically since then, and way, 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 way for the better across the board. But we have a, maybe two generations of young people now that don't understand the way it was and how it progressed to get to where it, it was before this sudden pulling the plug 
on the positive atmosphere in our nation by the likes of AOC and the squad and people that are just divisive. It's a spirit of, um, I've arrived, you owe me something. You owe me something. Rather than, as John F. Kennedy, as president in his inauguration speech, he made a a very famous passage that has been repeated again and again and again. Ask not what your country can do for you, Rather, ask what you can do for your country. That pride of country in two generations is just gone. And instead, those from the hard left, many of who were getting their hard left ideology back in the 60s and the 70s, many of them end up today as professors on our college campuses. There was a weather underground, Bill Ayers, who was and still is Hillary Clinton's idol. He was the big boss in the weather underground. They bombed and killed people in protest. We're not talking about peaceful protest. We're talking about that bad seed that came out of there that believed in killing people for a cause, which was, by the way, totalitarianism. They like to call it socialism, but it wasn't. This this generation, uh, these Democrats in power now, they talk about socialism. That's not what they're trying to sell to the American people. They want a small group of people to control every aspect of the lives of every American, which is authoritarianism or totalitarianism. Either one applies, which basically authoritarianism says it's it's being handled from the top down by one person. They wouldn't go for that. The AOC, the squad. They wouldn't go for the one-person thing, but what they would go for is to have a small group of power junkies that were in charge of everything and everybody and that nothing happened without their approval. And they had unilateral and universal power over everything. That's the antithesis to all the things that have made us the greatest nation on earth, but they don't want to hear that. That's not in the vocabulary. They reject it, totally reject it. And what they want is say-so over everything and ultimate approval of everything and the right to reject and stop everything. That's why I think this coronavirus pandemic, which I don't think is or was a pandemic, I think it was manufactured, And I think all of these policies, which is forget about the border immigration laws, forget about drug laws in the nation. Don't enforce them anymore. Don't do what constitutionally the process exclusively is, which is change the laws or put in new laws, replacing the ones you don't like. And that's to Congress, the people's representatives. This was never built to be a top-down society. It's always been to be from the bottom up, where it is the people's country, the people's capital, the people's Congress, the people's White House. And these generation, two generations of hard left sycophants believe exactly opposite of that. And they believe it because those dissidents from the 60s and 70s They've never hidden 
what their methods and their objectives were. They never have. This is the life they lived in front of the public back in the 60s and 70s. They passed it on to two generations, turning against everything that was good, that was built on the basis of the people having the voice, the megaphone for everything that happened in our nation. And now that it's being exposed, is it too late to change? Can we work through this and preserve the best of the past and put in the new stuff to make it better than it used to be? That remains to be seen, but it's on us, the American people, 100%. The following is an important time insensitive announcement from Staples. Now for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. What? Crawl or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now, or later, because these Staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts, like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you. And now back to John with the weather. Yes, Andy. Tonight, a big storm. Storm this! Get the soccer offer from Pizza Hut and Pepsi. With every two medium pants Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Yes, a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Don't miss the Pizza Hut and Pepsi soccer offer. With every two medium pants Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. What about the weather, Andy? Don't resist and call 19,000 now. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. There's enough negative news. Too bad it's fake news. Looking on the brighter side, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And your ray of sunshine, Dan Newman. I can't remember the last time I was called a a ray of sunshine. (laughs) I've been called much worse, I guarantee you. Well, a couple of Republicans got a, got a, uh, a big idea about what to do regarding this uh, mandate thing. Um, where did that story go? Hang on just a second. I know I had it. I just had it a few minutes ago. This is bothering me, folks. Let me, let me find this story. There are a couple of um, members, of course, obviously... 
Republican members in the House that are not satisfied and not going to allow these vaccine mandates to stand. Their Republican representatives, Claudia Tinney, who's a Republican from New York, Jim Banks from Indiana, they've introduced legislation, did so yesterday, that's designed to reverse Biden's vaccine mandate, the ones that are out now and the ones that are forthcoming on the American people. September 9th, he directed OSHA to craft a rule requiring private businesses with more than 100 employees to mandate the vaccine across the table for their employees or implement rigorous weekly testing requirements. In other words, OSHA, not Biden, with a presidential mandate, but OSHA has the federal power under law to implement health requirements in companies. So his mandate that he had OSHA put down there It drew a wave of criticism, particularly because members of his own administration previously dismissed federal mandates as something outside of the president's purview. And by the way, the president himself said numerous times, I don't have that authority. Well, I think the question here, one that's not the role of the federal government, that is the role that institutions, private sector entities and others may take. That's according to Jen Psaki. And we're going to continue to advocate and work in partnership with local officials and trusted voices to get the word out, she said. While OSHA has yet to release the draft of the rule, now remember, this all happened more than a month ago. And we were told, it's going to happen right now. It's going to happen. All these companies started putting employees on notice. Um, Big companies have already begun laying off people, effective today, several of them. And OSHA hasn't even yet released the draft of the rule. It's a rule that they are required by law. The legislation, the, the, the law that was passed that gives OSHA this authority, they're required to release the draft of the rule. These two representatives in Congress are taking action, introducing what's called the Health Freedom for All Act. According to one press release, the legislation would clarify that under existing law, OSHA does not have the authority to implement rules that require Americans to undergo COVID-19 vaccinations or testing. The bill they presented specifically states that the secretary may not issue an emergency temporary standard that requires an employer to ensure that employees of the employer have received a COVID vaccine or undergone COVID testing. Several groups, including the Heritage Action, the American Conservative Union, and Texas Public Policy Foundation, have already endorsed the bill. President Biden's vaccine and testing mandate far exceeds the authority granted to OSHA by Congress. Tinney said that in a statement emphasizing her support of voluntary vaccination efforts. And she continued, Joe Biden promised us before he was president that he wouldn't use his office to mandate COVID vaccines. Now we know he lied. Banks, who's chairman of the Republican Study Committee, said, I'm proud to introduce the Healthcare Freedom for All Act with Representative Claudia Tenney that would stop this unconstitutional and un-American federal overreach by President Biden. So they, uh, they put this out. Remember, 
that's right after a stark warning was issued to the Biden administration from 24 Republican attorneys general who have threatened to seek every available legal option if the administration does not reverse course on the forthcoming mandate. Now, let me tell you, put this this in the big picture for a second. We told you, I guess it was two weeks ago, we told you at that particular point that even if these vaccine mandates that are put out by OSHA, if they are going to live, in other words, they're not going to be blown away by the courts or reversed by legislation or whatever, but if they survive, that we will not directly see the direct results of this rule, this OSHA rule, for more than a year. It'll be midterm election time in 2022 before we are, as Americans, um, demanded to live under this mandate. Why is that? It requires a rule. Remember, this is a federal law that was passed, and it's about OSHA. It gives OSHA the power to do a lot of things in the marketplace where people are employed in the workplace. And so part of that process means they can issue, OSHA can issue a temporary rule, but it's simply just an announcement that they are going to draft, create a rule that is going to go back for final approval and then after that final approved rule is escapes all of this other stuff that the challenges that are going to come against it are right now, even though it's not even been issued yet. The litigation, um, all of the changes that may occur to it won't happen for at least a year. So keep that in mind. When you hear these companies that are already taking the actions based on this rule that's not a rule yet and firing people, they're putting themselves in a really, really tough spot because liability is going to be there. And if it's never made a rule, people that have been fired previously will have massive cause of action against these big companies like United Airlines. Just keep that in the back of your mind. So what's happening in the guards to our illegal immigration? Well, Panama, you know where Panama is. Um... They have put the United States on notice that there's a big, 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 big group coming. One group, 30,000 Haitian migrants, and another group of 85,000. And the Panama's foreign minister says she's been sounding the alarm for months that these two big groups are headed our way, and they are going to get here. They've already crossed through Panama. We've engaged with every single authority that we can think of that we can come across, she said, to say, please, let's pay attention to this. The Haitians have already been coming from Colombia, and these are doing the same thing. They're coming from South America. Please understand this. Most of these Haitians that parked out under that bridge in Del Rio, Texas, now think about it. Haiti is an island in the Caribbean. Most of them that are coming here speak Spanish already. Why is that? They're not coming from Haiti. Some are. Granted, some are. 
but probably 90 to 95% of them are coming now from where they went in previous years, some 20 years ago they went, from Haiti to different countries in South America where Spanish is the predominant language. So they've been there for a while. And then all of a sudden when this happens in Haiti, they're being told, hey, if you can get, as a Haitian especially, if you can get to the U.S. southern border, they're going to let you in. They'll resettle you up there. You can even eventually get citizenship. They're taking advantage of what they're being told. They've been coming from Colombia, traveling through the dangerous Darien Gap jungles into Panama before they find their way through Central America and Mexico to our border. This foreign minister said senior officials from South American countries, Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. met in August to address the issue, and she thought it was shocking this had not happened sooner. She also met, she did, with members of Congress and DHS Secretary Mayorkas earlier in the week. Moynez, the foreign minister, told Axios she wants to see additional meetings between the U.S. and other countries so they can work out plans to better control the volume of people coming through their respective borders. She said Haiti needs to be involved as well in order to get the root of the problem figured out. We all have a role to play in this, and the regional approach is the correct approach. In addition to the 85,000 people that have already made their way into Panama and beyond, Moina said another 30,000 are waiting in Colombia while Panama is unable to take them right now. So folks, we don't even have any idea how many that have already come. Mayorkas actually said yesterday, He was asked point blank if 12,000 Haitians have been already released in the nation. He nodded in affirmation. 12,000 have already been released. In other words, they came through Border Patrol and then they were documented and released. How many more got in? The rule of thumb is pretty much if 12,000 you know got in, then you pretty much can double that number and expect that 24 or 25,000 are already here, 85,000 on their way already, and 30,000 behind the 85,000 that are headed this way. This is similar to what happened before Donald Trump got that Remain in Mexico policy put in, which meant that anybody coming to the nation and the reason they give to when they're accosted at the border, coming here is to file and claim asylum to be able to come here because of asylum issues back in their home countries. So instead of being signed in and then released in the nation to wait for a court date, like all of them had previously, the Remain in Mexico policy said, okay, file for asylum right here. Here here are the forms, file them, fill them out. Now here's what you do. Take a copy of this, but you got to go back across the Rio Grande Valley, uh, the Rio Grande River and stay in Mexico until you get called by the immigration court here in wherever, towns across the southern border, to come back for your asylum claim to be heard. That was a joint effort by Mexico, Mexican president, and the the Trump administration. And it worked. When Joe Biden took over, Illegal immigration and people coming through illegally at our southern border was at a level not seen in years before. It was so reduced because people were were outed. If they had a legitimate asylum claim and they desperately wanted to come because of the 
problems that created from their uh, uh, asylum claim being filed that gave them fuel to do that weren't true. They wouldn't come because they knew they'd be turned away. So somebody else weighed in on all of this about this open border stuff. And it shocked me when I saw this. I'm trying to think of when I first heard this. Um, Maybe Tuesday of this week, another well-known politician weighed in on this immigration problem that uh, Joe Biden has created. And it was one that was very unexpected to me. And when I heard about it, I went and dug up the story because I couldn't believe it was true. Former President Obama has now called open borders, and that's what he's calling what's going on right now in the Biden administration. Obama said this is unsustainable. And the migrant crisis is heartbreaking. His words, Fole. He has called for a long time, and even louder now, calling for comprehension comprehensive immigration reform to fix a dysfunctional system. This was during an interview with ABC's Good Morning America. It aired Tuesday morning. Said reform to the U.S. immigration system is something that is long overdue. He added that immigration is a tough issue, and we know it is, because Americans want to be compassionate, but the U.S. having open borders is an unsustainable idea. His comments came after more than 14,000 Haitian migrants camped under that bridge in Del Rio for a couple of weeks. Alejandro Mayorkas admitted on Sunday the vast majority of Haitian migrants who crossed the southern border in recent weeks have already been released into the U.S., and it's possible, he said, that more are going to follow. So far, approximately 12,400 of the people are having their cases heard by immigration judges. Another 5,000 are being processed by DHS. Only 3,000 are still in detention. Obama said the situation in Del Rio is a painful reminder that we don't have the right to do this right now, and we've got to get it right. We've got far more work that we got to do. That's interesting. And when he was asked about how Joe Biden's handling it, Obama gave his former running mate, gave him a pat on the back, But he said this, as big-hearted as Joe is, nobody understands the open border problem better than Joe Biden. And the question is now, are we going to get serious about dealing with this in a systemic way as opposed to these one-offs where we're constantly reacting to emergencies? I think that's something that every American should want to put an end to. Obama added that immigration is tough. It always has been. Immigration is tough. And it's been tough because on one hand, I think we're naturally a people that want to help others. When we see tragedy and hardship and families that are desperately trying to get here so their kids are safe and they're in some cases fleeing violence or some catastrophe. At the same time, he said, we're a nation state. We have borders. The idea that we can just have open borders is something that is a practical matter is unsustainable. So there you go. The guy, Barack Obama, who thumbed his nose at a bunch of federal laws when he was president and had his um, Justice Department do the same thing. He's about closing the border, protecting our border, and finding a mix of some kind 
for this immigration problem that we have down there. So what is the Biden administration at the top? What are they going to do about this mess? Well, they got to fix. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, and Attorney General Merrick Garland, they're headed south next week. They're going to Mexico to discuss security issues with the Mexican government. They're going to be in Mexico City for an in-person meeting October the 8th. That's a week from today. Mexico's Foreign Minister Marcelo Ebrard announced that yesterday, but he would not elaborate on whether immigration would be discussed at the meeting. I got to think, folks, if they're going to talk about security issues, that certainly has to include what's going on at the southern border. Remember, it's our southern border. It's their northern border, so they're involved in this as well. Ebrard indicated during a press conference the main focus during the talks would be on reducing crime and all forms of violence. Panama Foreign Minister Eric Amoyne, as you said, he warned us up to 80,000 headed this way, and it's only going to get bad. Absolutely, security is involved in all this. It's going to see. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. And we talked to you yesterday about a little bit of the shipping problem and what it's cost and how it happened. People are getting horrible, horrible uh, supply chain results from everything that they buy, small and large businesses alike. Supply chain is a term that not many of us thought about before March of last year. And the reason is everything was going smoothly. We didn't even think about it. We did, however, enjoy getting what we wanted when we wanted it. COVID-19, the pandemic, lockdowns, and all that rolled into one, changed all of that. There's no automaker as an example. It's not been hindered in some way, shape, or form when it comes to sales because they just can't get the vehicles, the cars, the trucks, big, big trucks, even heavy equipment. Whatever becomes the hot toy of the season in the next month or two may not be there in huge quantities. That's according to President and CEO of the Toy Industry Association. We're even being told, the Vice President told us, you better start ordering your Christmas presents immediately because it's going to be hard to get them here in time because of this supply chain problem that everybody top to bottom in business is facing. Some of the worst backups today are happening in what's called durable goods, like appliances, laptops, furniture. That's because the pandemic changed spending habits. People said, well, if I can't go on vacation, I'll get a bicycle, or I'll repaint the house, put in new curtains. And then they found paint was on back order. Curtains were on back order because everybody was trying to buy these goods that everyone else wanted to buy. Many businesses cut back at the outset, expecting a major slowdown in sales and orders. Then came summer, last summer. Consumer spending was there, and all those businesses tried to turn around real fast, but it's hard to turn around real fast. Then, according to this quote-unquote expert, came the perfect storm. The Suez Canal got clogged. A couple of the seaports in China were closed because of covid The hurricane took down natural gas production, which is a feedstock for a lot of chemicals. Still, he believes the biggest overall interruption came in the workforce. And we pointed this out. The workforce, the shortage of workers, 
It's common all around the country, and as a result, businesses that want to increase their production want to serve their customers better, want to stock up on inventory they can't find workers. This affects every level of our domestic supply chain, from factories to trucking to distribution centers. International goods can't get here because of a major backup at every one of our ports of entry. Shipping containers are waiting to unload for up to eight days, sometimes weeks, due in part to labor shortages at docks. And then when they reopen, you've got 10, 20, 30, 40 big ships that are anchored out in their harbors. Who's going to come first? Who's going to get unloaded first? I mean, it's just a daisy chain of problems. Experts and businesses don't see this ending until next year, mid-year at the earliest. For some industries, that means shutdowns. GM, Toyota, Nissan have all paused production because of a shortage of computer semiconductor chips used in a large number of car parts. Let me give you an example. I know somebody that ordered a brand new Lincoln. Brand new with all the gadgets, you know, all the electronics and everything. And he got a notice from the dealerships. It's not, it's not here in our city, Shreveport. It's not even in our state. Gets a notice, a phone call from the dealer and says, we have a problem with the car you ordered. All the electronics, the computerized stuff in the vehicle, a bunch of it we can't provide right now. So you're either going to have to wait on the car cancel your order or you're going to have to take it and understand that when it comes in we're not even I can't even tell you today what electronic things are going to be left off and of course that you know what do you do you're going to order a new car you want all the stuff on if you're going to wait for a car that long you want to order it and get just the stuff you want on it and everything that you want on it so it came in and listen to some of the things that were missing um You know, the mirrors, your side mirrors, where they have the ability to, in fact, mine on my car, when I turn the ignition off, they fold in to keep somebody from ramming it. There's a button that you can manually fold them in. That was missing on his Lincoln. Also, the automatic backup camera that shows up on the dashboard. We take that for granted now. Everybody has that. But the particular computer chip that operated that on this line of cars wasn't available. So it came in without that feature. These are things that can't be added later. Automatic temperature control on your air conditioning and heating unit that we take for granted. On my car, you set the temperature. You don't turn on the air conditioner, turn it off and turn on the heater and vice versa. You set the temperature. And the computer chip in the car, it makes the changes automatically. We don't even think about it. That is not even on his car, the old kind was the only way he could get it. So that's the kind of stuff that's going on just to try to get some stuff here. Some automakers are reworking their vehicles to need fewer chips. Certain options aren't being offered right now, but it's not been enough to curb all of these issues. Other industries are having to pay up to three times more for supplies than in the past and still barely get enough to keep the doors open. Example, Oakley Monument Company has seen a major surge in businesses due to COVID-related deaths, but grieving customers are waiting months for memorials. You know why? They can't get the coffins. 
think about that. The owner of this company said, we're lucky if we're able to get a quarter of what we need for our order once a month. Stuff that used to cost us $9,000 to get shipped is up anywhere in the 20,000s just to get shipped here. And then they also tack on a tariff as well. Alignable is a small business network. You may have seen their ads. They help companies pivot. A major step forward has been simply connecting business owners to others in their industry. We actually have created groups, one spokesman said, so an industry can come together and share ideas, so we'll have an industry group just for florists. They can actually share ideas with others about where they are looking to get supplies, how they are filling part-time roles at their own companies, and things like that. That way of thinking allowed Mark Patterson, co-founder of Civilized Coffee, to get around some of his supply chain issues. What we've been doing is buying large lots, full containers of coffee, bringing them back to our warehouse, and then we've just said, reach out to us. And we have a lot of relationships where we can sell off smaller lots to these smaller roasters around the country. Meanwhile, you and I are feeling the impact of all this in our wallets. The classic definition of inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods. We got a lot of money right now that people are trying to spend, but we have not increased our production capacity. He predicted this could lead to a boom and bust economy similar to the late 60s and 70s. Simply put, that would mean high inflation followed by a tightening of monetary policy by the Federal Reserve. All folks, all of it, was fostered by COVID-19. And so here we are, the end of another week. End of another week, end of another day at Truth News Network, TNN Live. I want you to have an amazing weekend. Tell us all about it on Monday. But in the meantime, enjoy your weekend. Remember Saturday bullet points tomorrow morning, first thing. In fact, if you want to stay up late, they go live at 1.45 a.m. Other than that, get up and grab a cup of coffee. Go out on the back patio and pull up truthnewsnet.org. We'll see you then tomorrow morning, folks. Saturday.